0: Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. This is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Indiana Bible College is also committed to improving our facilities, ensuring that we have a quality campus for decades of training tomorrow's apostolic leaders. One way that you can partner with us this month is by visiting partner.indianabiblecollege.org. partner.indianabiblecollege.org. Of course, November 2019 is the month of giving here at Indiana Bible College and our goal is to raise $10,000 in order to help offset some of these campus improvements. Upgrade focus areas include a permanent sound system in the chapel, upstairs classroom renovations, and air conditioning in the remaining ladies dormitories. When you visit partner.indianabiblecollege.org you can contribute any amount to the general fund Of $10,000 to meet that goal or you can donate to one of the specific projects mentioned above no donation is too small every dollar helps and we are grateful for every dollar giving is simple at partner.indianabiblecollege.org today's episode is the final chapel service of the 2019 Missions Conference, and we're delighted, we were absolutely delighted to have a mission service with the Bensons. During this episode, the Bensons share their heart and passion for Benin, West Africa with IBC students, and we then get to turn around and share it with you here on the podcast. We hope you enjoy a mission service with the Bensons. brother and sister Benson are going to come. These are wonderful, wonderful missionaries, veteran missionaries for so many years in West Africa, touching several nations with their ministry and their training programs. Brother and sister Benson, you have sent three of your children to IBC, and they've all done well, and they're doing well, and we thank you for that, and we want to welcome you with our love and appreciation to this pulpit Take your liberty, both of you take your liberty in the Lord. Let's welcome Brother and Sister Benson.
1: Praise the Lord. Let's give that to Jesus right now because. praise the lord i say for you,
2: you may be seated
1: uh je voudrais a avec uh ingratitude um missionaire, pastor uh mentor frere rodenbush
2: i want to begin this morning by giving so much thankfulness to my friend my pastor my mentor the missionary Brother Rodenbush,
1: uh, Pastor Mooney for poor opportunity. Pastor
2: Mooney for the opportunity to come this morning.
1: Et les autres, and to delegué. the other
2: ones of all of you. Pour vous, and for all of you students. Il est
1: un honor à début, vous.
2: It's a very much an honor to stand before you.
1: a uh, presente notre témoignage,
2: and to preach and to present to you our testimony.
1: Parce que notre témoignage élevé jesus christ
2: because our testimony is meant to elevate to lift up jesus christ son
1: jesus christ
2: without jesus
1: où est notre vie?
2: where is our life
1: son jesus christ
2: without San, jesus christ
1: où est notre
2: where's our power May tout shows new devenir. but everything we will become
1: rest on jesus christ
2: it's in jesus christ amen Amen.
1: Hey, Juvodrey a commence avec une creature.
2: So I want to begin with the scripture.
1: Hey, il a trouvé en premier e Jean chapitre 1 verset 1.
2: So it's found in 1 John 1:1. Et it says this. Ce qui
1: the
2: things that were from the beginning.
1: Ce que nous avons entendu, the
2: things that we've heard.
1: Ce que nous avons vu de nos jeux,
2: the things that we've seen with our eyes.
1: Ce que nous avons et ont touché,
2: the things that we've looked upon and our hands have handled.
1: Concerning, la de vie,
2: concerning the word of life. Tout chose vous faire, Everything we do two shows of vu deep everything we say
1: utilise le parole du vie we use the word of life parce que son le parole
2: du vie because without this word of life San jesus christ without jesus christ notre minister quoi what is our ministry
1: parce que jesus christ vient du sept mont a trouver Le because Jesus
2: Christ came to this world to search for the
1: lost. And when he
2: fills us with the Holy Ghost, New devenir quoi? what do we become? Un a, d-
1: le puissance et le a testimony
2: of, and a witness of the power of Jesus Christ. A testimony and a witness
1: of the power of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we want you to go with us.
2: Hear the things we've heard. See the things we've seen. Handle the things we've
1: handled.
2: So we want you to go by video with us this morning.
1: A regard. Le du Jesus Christ.
2: And see the things we've seen and see the power of Jesus Christ. Sens, le du
1: Jesus Christ.
2: Feel that power of Jesus Christ.
1: Avec nous, le
2: and watch with us now our testimony. Amen. So we'll have the video.
1: Thank Sister Dregor this morning for such a powerful word. My, my. I think she could have kept going, and that would have been, been enough. Amen. Because that is a powerful word. Because if we obey the word of God this morning, nothing will stop us. Nothing will hinder us from doing what God has called us to do. Our missionary journey started in Madagascar in 2003. Over the last 16 years, we have been privileged to work in Togo, West Africa, Benin, West Africa, and the Central African Republic. It has been an incredible journey to see what God has been doing and is doing in these countries. While we were in Madagascar, we were able to work with the Bible school and teach in the Bible school. We fell in love with the discipling process. We were able to work and help finish the Bible school in Togo, West Africa. When we moved to Benin, it had satellite Bible schools only. During this time, we were able to construct a Bible school. We were able to get our full-time Bible school up and running. Benin is the home of voodoo. It dates back to the times of slavery. This traditional voodoo worship uh, has a festival that goes on in the village of Wida, And as we speak, there are thousands upon thousands of people coming in from all around the world to celebrate and to be a part of this festival.
2: Um, Wida, I say often, is one of the darkest places that you could ever visit at night. It is so dark there. But the amazing thing is God in His planning chose that very spot to put a Bible school, an apostolic, God-loving, one God, Jesus name Bible school, right in the heart of the darkness of of magic and voodoo. What started out as just a a satellite Bible school program there in Benin, meeting once quarterly for one week at a time, has now grown into 80 students. When we look at what the Lord has done over the last four years, It is simply miraculous. We've been so thankful for the Amers who have come to Benin with their gifts and their talents to serve alongside of us as together we work towards the harvest.
1: Currently in Benin, we are having to rent a building for our girls to sleep in during this time of schooling. Our hope is to be able to raise funds, to be able to purchase these buildings, but also our classrooms are becoming insufficient for the number of students we have. Our goal is to raise money also for new classrooms to increase the number of students that are able to come to our Bible school. We are also working in the Central African Republic. In this war-torn country, we have 35 faithful students that we work with two to three times a year when we are able to go into this country. Um, Sometimes we are able to teach them two and three weeks at a time. They come every day during this time. And in the Central African Republic, we are hoping to be able to purchase some land so that we could construct a Bible school Uh, permanent structure on this land.
2: We've been so blessed to be supported through your prayers and your giving for the last 16 years, and we want to tell you thank you so much. There's just no way to convey to you our gratitude for what you've already done in helping us to stay on the field for the last 16 years.
1: Many um, people who come to Bible school, they come in difficult times. Some of them have lost um, families um, because of their decision to come to um, our Bible school, to join our church. And, but their desire is to know Jesus. My desire is to be able to help them, teach them to reach lost souls.
2: And the kingdom is growing every day just because of the fact that we're able to focus on young men and young women. And they go out and make disciples. And they go out and make disciples. And they go out and make disciples. And together, the harvest is being gathered. We're so excited to be here with you this morning. I just want to tell you, you see, we love Amers. You don't have to be perfect. You do have to love Jesus more than anything else. That's really all we ask you to do is souls and Jesus to be your number one priority and we can work with the rest. Amen. So if you're interested, talk to Brother Rodenbush. I also want to tell you, we've only deputized eight months this deputation. Can you believe that? It's incredible. Our first deputation was 18 months, our second deputation was 23 months. This deputation was eight months, and we raised the most money we have ever raised on a deputation. Praise the Lord. Every project that you heard us mention in that video, plus a couple that were not in that video, money has been raised for. We're going to be able, with the Lord's help, to put the first Bible school, the first apostolic, one God, Jesus name Bible school that we have ever known of in the country of the Central African Republic. Friends, that is huge. So if you want to be a part of something exciting happening in West Africa, come see us. Amen. I want to briefly tell you this morning, if we can put Emmanuel's picture up, I want to tell you why Bible school is so important in these countries. I know that you feel the need for Bible school or you wouldn't be here. All three of our children, y'all know the whole story, we said like a hundred times this week, came through IBC. But do you know what? That was all three of their choices. Mom and Dad did not push for them to come to IBC, and I'm going to tell you another secret this morning. Guess who else are students at IBC? Mom and Daddy are IBC distance learning students right now. They all three had the choice to go to secular college, to go to IBC, to go to whatever college they wanted to go to. But all three of them felt the call of God and the peace of God when they visited the school. And I'm thankful for that. And now mom and dad are running a little bit behind, but we're catching up. Praise God. So I want to tell you about Emmanuel. Why does Bible school matter? And I don't really know how well you can see his picture there today, but if you could see it very well, you would see that there is a huge grin on his face. And he is holding a Bible. And he is holding a book that says, Introduction to the Bible. Isn't that a good place to start? We told you that Benin is the birthplace of voodoo. And in spite of all the religions that may be practiced in the country, over 60% of the population continues to profess voodoo as part of their religious experience. That's incredible, isn't it? Emmanuel came from such a family as this. Emmanuel came from a voodoo background. Voodoo is a religion. It's very much practiced. They pray to the God of the sun, the God of the moon, the God of the stars, the God of the ocean. And Emmanuel came from that. That's all he's ever known. He married a Muslim woman, and they have six children. And in 2015, he came to work for us. And when he came to work for us, if you know, as our Amers affectionately call him, Papa B, very well— You will know that you can't be around him very long before you're just going to have to talk about Jesus and the word of God. And so he immediately wanted to give Emmanuel a Bible study. And Emmanuel just very nicely told him, no, thank you. He wasn't interested in our Bible. So my husband was a little creative. And he said, you know what, Emmanuel? He said, he waited a week or two, but he said, I am really struggling with these French pronunciations of these words in this Bible. And he said, I'm up teaching and preaching in French, and I'm struggling, and I'm just stumbling over these big words in the Bible. We do that in English. So don't laugh at Papa B. We do it in English. We stumble over them. So anyway, Emmanuel, he said, Emmanuel, do you think you could just come in in the mornings and let me read the Bible to you and you fix my pronunciation? And Emmanuel said, yeah, he could be a teacher. Now, he could do that. And so he started coming in in the mornings. Within two weeks, Emmanuel was baptized in Jesus' name. And God had filled him with a baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Emmanuel that had spent his life sacrificing to false gods, paying homage to false gods, had now found the one true living God. He had found the power above all powers. And Emmanuel had found what he said. I always knew there was more. You may be seated. Emmanuel, we connected him with a local church. He was out witnessing, passing out tracts. Everything was beautiful. Everything was wonderful. Emmanuel, on his time, he works outside in, in our, to guard our yard mostly because if you don't have a guard, you don't have anything else in your yard either because it's community property. So anyway, Emmanuel, when he was sitting out in the yard, we'd see him out there under the overhang of the house in his chair reading his Bible. Hours, hours a day. Emmanuel was out there searching the Word of God. Within a few weeks, we had started, rough story short, when we got to Benin, there was the Satellite Bible School program only happening once every three months. We bumped that up to every month. That's about three hours, two and a half hours north of the capital city where we live. Then we started night classes there in the capital city that we teach every Tuesday and Thursday night on the certificate level of GATS. And then we were able to construct the full-time Bible school out in the city of Weta, which is the the very birthplace of voodoo. So we had the night classes going. And so Emmanuel said, after a little bit of time, he said, you know, I think I would really like to go with y'all to Bible school at night. We said, absolutely. So we bought him a new shirt. Got him a Bible. Well, he already had the Bible. And got him his first book introduction to the Bible. And for two and a half years, Emmanuel never missed a night of Bible school. He worked six 12-hour days and went to Bible school for two and a half to three hours every Tuesday and Thursday night with us. Would you say Emmanuel was committed? With a wife and six children. But the day came about three years into our, our time there in Benin that Emmanuel started stumbling. His pastor was the first to really recognize it. He said, Emmanuel's missing a lot of church, and I'm just going to skip for time's sake. But Emmanuel eventually started missing Bible school. And we went to Emmanuel, and we said, Emmanuel, what's wrong? What has happened to you? Please tell us. And as typical in West African culture, their personal business is very private. And he wasn't apt to share it with us. And so he just made excuses for why he was missing. Finally, we were getting ready to come home. And I was making seafood gumbo, and Emmanuel loves seafood gumbo because okra came from West Africa, and gumbo is the word, French word for okra. So any okra dish they love, they brought it to us. So anyway, I said, Emmanuel, I'm cooking gumbo today. Do you want to come in and eat? Well, of course he did. Who wouldn't? And... um, so he came in to eat with us that day and we, we Papa B and I sat there with him and and we began to talk to him and it was a very emotional time and we said, Emmanuel, we're leaving to go home on deputation and we don't understand what has happened to you. And we're we're just so disturbed. Do you, do you not believe the oneness of Jesus anymore? Oh no, I believe the oneness of Jesus. Emmanuel, are you confused about baptism? Oh no, no, no. And we knew. He had been telling everybody they were baptized wrong. We knew he believed in Jesus' name, baptism. And so we were like, Emmanuel, did we offend you? Did you get offended in the church? No. And he still wouldn't tell us. But I think he saw the broken heart of his missionary as we sat there in a heat. And something finally broke in him. And he said, this is what happened. He said, when I was out evangelizing, he said, I got a call. Somebody had taken a picture of me. And they'd taken it up to the village about four hours north where my family is from. And my great aunt up there is the queen mother of the village. And as such, she is seen as the god of the village. And he said, when she saw that I was down here evangelizing in an evangelistical church, she was very angry with me. Why does that matter? It is a religion, voodoo is. But I want to tell you something, it's much more than a religion. It's a money system. Because if somebody curses you, you got to pay to get the curse off of you. If somebody wants to be blessed, they got to pay to get the blessing. If you're sick, you're going to pay. You don't just go to the witch doctor. You're going to pay him for whatever you're looking for. And so when they lose an elder, and Emmanuel at 45 years of age in that culture is an elder, if they lose an elder, they're losing all of the ones below him who are watching him as their mentor. Family is everything. And so to have a nephew... Disrespected in the family, leave their traditional practices was a huge thing. And so they called him for a meeting up in the village. And he went up there. And when he got there, he was supposed to go into his great aunt's hut. And he was supposed to bow before her, confess her as his God. Then she would bless him and he was free to visit the village. That's always the way it went. But he said this day when he got up there, he already knew she was mad. But that didn't matter because he had already found the one God Jesus Christ and he said I couldn't go prostrate myself in front of a false God walking in humanity I added that walking in humanity but he said I couldn't do it because there's only one God and his name's Jesus and he said she was so angry with me And he said she was so angry with me. And so the two uncles there with her told him they were banishing him from the family. And and not only that, they were going to hex him. They were going to curse him. And Emmanuel said, well, you're just going to have to do what you got to do. And he got on his motorbike and came back to Cotonou, where we live. Well, apparently they held their ceremony. And within about two weeks, their ceremony was for him to die. Within about two weeks the first uncle was dead on her motorcycle and they called emmanuel and they we didn't know this they said emmanuel you brought this religion into our family you brought this against our culture you have cursed us from turning to who we've always been and they said because of this you will pay for this funeral you will support his wife and his family her, all their children, for the rest of your life. The second uncle, a few months later, had a stroke and is to this day is still in the bed. Now we understood what Emmanuel had been through. He didn't share any of those details. We remember the day he came begging, which he had never done before, begging for about $200. And that's a huge amount of money to them. And my husband said, Emmanuel, I, I don't have $200 just to give you. And he said, I, I, you know, I'll give you part of it because Emmanuel wouldn't say what it was for. And Emmanuel just burst out in tears and was just slumped against the wall. And we had never seen him like that before. And finally, my husband said, Emmanuel, I'm going to find the money for you. I don't know what's wrong in your life right now, but I'm going to find the money for you. And he gave him the money. What we didn't know was that money was to cover that funeral. That's what we didn't know. So as we sat there that day at the dinner table, we began to pray and cry with him and tell him, Emmanuel, we understand as long as you walked in what you had always known, everything was all right. Life was good. Life was normal. But the day you stepped out in the light of Jesus and you began to search for truth, all of hell came against you. And you struggled in that moment of being who I've always been. are stepping out in faith and becoming who I'm destined to be in Jesus Christ. And the sacrifices that has cost you. And now we understand how you have wobbled back and forth. It would be so much easier just to be who I've always been. It would be so much easier to go back to just be Emmanuel, the worshiper, the fetisher of voodoo. But because you chose the life in Christ, the devil knows the influence you have. We left. We came home. We prayed for Emmanuel. We said, Emmanuel, God's going to be with you. In March, we called Emmanuel. We talked to him often. We said, Emmanuel, we just want you to know something. God loves you. We got to talking to him on the phone. My husband was talking about business. He takes care of our house. We have Amers in it. And after a few minutes, I just piped up because he had emailed Hannah and told her he was missing Mama's gumbo. I said, Emmanuel, are you missing my gumbo? He said, oh, Mama, I'm missing your gumbo. I said, Emmanuel, are you missing Bible school? And the phone went silent. And I thought, oh, dear Lord, I've shamed him. I put him on the spot. We know we don't do that in West Africa. We have to have that mediator. But his voice came back. And it was your phone, it's not on silent. His voice came back. And when his voice came back, I heard our old Emmanuel again. And he said, choked up, yeah, mama, I'm ready to go back to Bible school. I want to tell you something this morning. What Emmanuel had seen, what Emmanuel had heard, and what Emmanuel had handled, which was the word of life was the stabilizing force that stabilized him when he didn't have family, when he didn't have friends, when he didn't have his missionaries anymore. We were on the other side of the ocean. The one thing he had was the word of life. And I want to tell you this morning, it doesn't matter who you are or where you've come from. It doesn't matter what your pedigree is. We're first-generation missionaries. First-generation ministry, actually. My husband's great-grandparents were pioneer preachers, but the rest of them backslid pretty much in between. I came from a Southern Baptist home, got the Holy Ghost at 20, found Jesus in truth. Nobody would ever told me that God was going to send me to Africa. I came out of the world. It doesn't matter where you start. It matters where you end. And it doesn't matter where Emmanuel started. It matters where he ends. And the influence he has. So this morning, I know our time is up. My husband's going to say, you didn't leave me any time. But if I could convey one thing to you this morning, where you're at right now is the perfect will of God. There's nothing more important in ministry. That's why our kids came here. Because we told them if we could do it over again. If we could do Bible school first. If we could have these mentors in our life first. We would do it over a hundred times but we didn't come from that kind of a background. But God will use a willing vessel. And today, you are eons ahead of us because you are here preparing. And I pray that each one of you does greater, more magnificent, more powerful things for Jesus than we could ever dream about. We're looking to you. We're looking to you to step up to take the baton, and to march forward in this call of reaching the world.
1: My, 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 I wonder if we could just lift our hands right now and just thank the Lord for what he is doing. Jesus, Lord, we magnify you. Jesus, we glorify you. Lord, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are grateful. I want the the musicians you can go ahead and come because I am I am just going to I want to leave a thought with you. In Matthew chapter 28. We know that this is the risen Christ and we know, we know and understand that he arose from the uh, from the grave, from the tomb to live again. I just want to read a couple of scriptures and then I will be closing. In the first scripture, it says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. There are going to be times in your life when you come to a place. Maybe it's a crossroads, or maybe it's a, a place to decide on, 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 on where you are, what you're doing, what you're going to do. Mary and the other Mary, they had seen Jesus walk among the sick, heal, raise the dead. They saw all of that. But now Jesus was placed in the tomb and there was a question in their mind maybe, where do I go now? What do I do now? But I want to tell you something. Jesus gave them a word. And as he began to say, I want to take your attention to verse 6 the angel gave them and he said he is not here for he is risen as he said. Everybody say as he said. Jesus has told us time and time again I will never leave you nor forsake you. How many of you have ever proven that? How many of you have ever been in a decision and and you were praying and, and you didn't know exactly what to do but God stepped in and guided you. When you felt all alone you didn't know which way to go Listen to what he says in verse 7. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, everybody say behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, I have told you, verse 9. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, all hell. There will be a time in your life where you will not see Jesus working. There will be a time in your life where you may not feel Him working. But the Scripture tells us, Behold, He has gone before you into Galilee. Wherever you walk may find you. Wherever the Lord will lead you. Always know this, that He is walking before you. He is around us. He is before us. He's behind us. He's above us. He's beneath us. My thought for you today is He goeth before you. So wherever the decisions of life may lead, wherever the unction of the anointing of the Holy Ghost will lead you, whenever problems come, whenever decisions have to be made, you know this, that He has gone before you. Wherever you're walking, wherever you're ministering, whenever you feel all alone, as Mary and the other Mary, they felt that too when they came to the tomb, and Jesus was not there. But you see, the Word of God tells us, go and tell. Tell what? Tell what I have heard. Tell what I have seen tell what your hands have handled when we have come here in this chapel would you stand with me right now we have come into this chapel so many times and felt the unction and the anointing of Jesus these are times when we are receiving from the Lord because there's going to be times when the Lord is walking with you he's walking before you he's living inside of you But you don't see, you don't feel at that particular moment. These are the times when you have to just say, okay, Lord, I'm walking. I'm going to preach again whether I feel it or whether I don't. I'm going to teach again whether I feel it or whether I don't. I'm going to pray one more time whether I feel it or whether I don't. Why? Because He has gone before you. He is leading you. He is guiding you. And His anointing will never forsake you. In this last word that I have for you today, I want to just simply tell you, Jesus is with you. He is guiding you. He has not placed you here for naught, but He has placed you here. That the words that you hear, the words that you see. That's right. When somebody comes up here and they're, they're crying out before the Lord and they're speaking in another tongue, that is a miracle, my friends. That is God reaching into their lives and saying, I have you. There will be times when you will remember this. And there will be times when you will say, Lord, I don't know. I don't understand. But I'm going to take another step. I'm going to pray one more time. I wonder if you could just gather around this front in closing. I wonder if you could just say, Jesus, we've already heard it. Set your heart today. Don't wait until tomorrow. Don't wait until you're in the middle of your ministry. Don't wait until you say, well, God, I don't know where you're leading. Set your heart today so you will know where you will walk, where you will go. Jesus, you have gone us today. And Lord, I pray for their faith right now. Lord, I pray for their faith that their faith will not fail them, but that they will be sensitive to your word and they will know they are walking where you walk.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Indiana Bible College podcast. We are certainly humbled by every prayer prayed, every subscription made, and every share on social media. And hey, if you've not done one of those things today, I hope that you will. Another thing that we're hopeful for is that if you are interested in attending Indiana Bible College or know of someone who is, visit... IndianaBibleCollege.org forward slash apply. The spring 2020 application deadline is December 15th, 2019. And I can tell you, that semester is already shaping up to be incredible. So make sure you tell someone who's interested, or if you're interested, that you visit IndianaBibleCollege.org forward slash apply. We look forward to seeing you on campus and you being back for another episode of the Indiana Bible College podcast next week. God's blessings.